Welcome back to the Next Generation Podcast. Today, we're joined by a very special guest. She is a clinical psychologist in training at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology, and she is working on her doctorate degree. Uh, and I'll let her talk to you about that a little more because I don't want to butcher it. Mira, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, alhamdulillah. Um, so I am currently getting my PsyD, which is a doctorate of clinical psychology. Uh, main difference between that and a PhD is PhD is more research-based, whereas this degree is more practicum-based, oh, okay. you know, more in terms of application rather than doing research in the background and coming up with the, the journal articles and all the studies. So mm. more on the actual application of psychology. Okay. So this is more geared towards like actually helping people instead of just figuring out how minds work essentially it's yeah so um both phds and psyds are able to do therapy or mm. you know practice um with a psyd the the emphasis of the training is more so on the practice whereas with a phd the emphasis of the training is more on the research oh so. okay good to know mm -hmm. something new every single day yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool so i mean so this is your doctorate degree so were your previous degrees your undergrad and your grad school were they all related to psychology yeah i got my uh undergrad degree my bachelor's in psychology uh and then i went on to do my master's and my doctorate wow okay and so after studying psychology for all these years you didn't find yourself sick of it so that makes me want to ask why psychology several different reasons uh I think um, I, I knew that I wanted to do something that involved uh, community work. Uh, mm. I wanted to do something that involved working with other people and helping in any way I can. So I had a several different career paths. I wanted to be an attorney. And then I saw what the legal system was about. And I said, <laughs> no, <thank> you. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, yeah, I wanted, I was like, I could be a grassroots activist. And then I was like, but I also need to pay bills. So <laughs> we need, we need something to supplement that. Right, uh, right. And then um, I was always very fascinated by psychology. Um, mm -hmm. I really was interested in human behavior. Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we behave the way that we do? Uh, and I mean, being a college student, we all go through our bouts of struggles. Uh, I struggled with anxiety at that point in time. Mm to college and all of the demands of academia. Um, and I recognized that there was a uh, a specific response that I got from people when they realized that I was struggling with anxiety. Oh. Um, uh, so I noticed that within my community, at least the response was just, well, you're not praying enough. You're not devout mm -hmm. enough. You're not, mm -hmm. you know, this isn't something that this isn't a problem you would have if you were actually a you know, devout and practicing your religion appropriately. Mm. And I thought there was something problematic about that that I didn't like. So uh, more research I did, the more I found that there was this connection between spirituality, religion, and mental health. Mm -hmm. And while I kept recognizing the issue, it kind of became, I can either complain about the problem or I can become part of the solution. So uh, there was a lack of um, representation of Muslim mental health, out of mental health, and you know, so I, I figured, hey, representation matters and get involved mm -hmm. and provide culturally sound, humble care to whoever needs it. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's awesome. And I feel like these days, if you put Arab and mental health in the same sentence, <laughs> you're just going to end up getting slapped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or like, you know, the, the common the common joke is like, oh, well, we got a lot of people for your research you can look at. And it's like, we got a lot of people to keep you busy. Um, <laughs> but it's like, well, you also could keep me busy. <laughs> you also need to look at your mental health as well. Uh, it's kind of one of those things that we it, we joke around about it a lot and mm -hmm. we kind of trivialize people's struggles and we just label them as crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's such a human phenomenon and unfortunately we ignore it in our communities so yeah, yeah. that is it's very sad because sometimes you have people who are like desperately like it's not even like it's not even like a low key it's not even like a suppressed call for help it's like very clear very clear-cut people desperately calling for help like i just saw this video the other day and you know it was on tiktok so most things on tiktok are either fake or whatever but if you know if there was any I wouldn't be surprised if there was any, you know, any hints of, you know, truth to it because this dude was holding a sign and it said, uh, what is it? Actually, no, his sign, it said free money on it. Right. Mm -hmm. So people just walking up, taking the money, but the dude, this is how he was standing. 
So he's holding the sign like this, and his head is down. He's just like, literally, like like he's on the verge of tears. And people mm. are just coming up, taking the money off the board. And some of them were even like coming up and like going, like taking selfies and whatnot. And they're completely and totally disregarding the man who looks like he's about to break down mm -hmm. just to take the money. And then he flips the sign around and writes on it, "I'm depressed. Come talk to me." Nothing. No. Nothing. Nobody. Nobody. You know, batted an eye at him. They just walked by and was like, "Oh, the money's gone." Okay. Yeah, or like he's just seeking attention. We're not gonna go. We're not gonna exactly. bother. Yeah, exactly. um, and I think also what I notice is with men, if they express any feeling of depression or sadness or uh, any type of emotion that's not anger or mm. happiness, um, yeah. it, uh, it's taboo. It's inappropriate. Right. It's not masculine enough. Right. Um, it's one of the reasons why we see majority of the, like the statistics show that depression is higher than women, but attempted and completed suicides are higher than men. Mm. Uh, so it's uh, yeah, so I think that's another part of it, too. Yeah, and some cultures definitely more than others, but yeah, these, you know, we have, I mean, we all have our tests, we all have our tests that we face. Um, it's not to say that, you know, the man's test is more difficult than the woman's test or whatnot, yeah. but we all have our own spectrum of things that we deal with and how they affect us personally. And mm -hmm. uh, society is going to put its own spin on these things. And, you know, in some areas it'll become more accepting of certain things and some areas will become less accepting of certain things and you know that's it's difficult because we still have to find our way to balance and adjust and you know find that balance within ourselves regardless of what society tells us mm -hmm. like you know society could back then society would tell us and even some cultures today it'd be like okay as you said you're not allowed to have feelings you're not allowed to be emotional you're not allowed to be sad blah 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 whatever whatever right mm -hmm. and then sometimes you know now there's a push for being a little too a little too emotional It'd be like you don't have to be you don't have to be strong you can just be weak you don't have to like if adversity comes your way it's okay you can roll over i've actually seen a lot of examples of this and a lot of a lot of push towards this in like different guy circles and whatnot and it's like well no i mean if if something's gonna come at you you should still stand your ground don't don't just let people just stomp all over you that's i don't think that's a solution for anything uh -uh. any type of problem that's probably yeah. gonna make everything worse but you gotta find the balance it's not mm -hmm. it can't be 110 percent rugged all the time be like oh i'm man i'm tough and it can't just be like oh I... no you gotta find the balance yeah off to sometimes and then be you know be stand up for what you believe in and don't compromise on your values and your morals because those if you do then what do you stand for yeah, exactly. And the other two things, the thing is like, I mean, even regardless of where we are politically, whether you mm -hmm. are full on capitalism is great or full on, let's move on to communism. I'm not going to take a side on that, but <laughs> we look at communism, uh, sorry, capitalism as it is right now, the way, the way, it, the message that we're getting living in a society that's very capitalist is mm -hmm. efficiency. You have to be productive. Mm -hmm. You have to make money. You have mm -hmm. to make profit. It doesn't, emphasize or have any care in the world for your happiness it tells you that you have to do things you hate to be productive so you can mm -hmm. make buy things that make you happy um mm -hmm. and that's kind of the structure that we live in. so we have a lot of these like internalized messages that, that we've kind of just taken on unconsciously that like if i'm not productive i'm weak if i'm not a, mm -hmm. if i'm not making money i'm a failure if i'm not 110 all the time there's something wrong with me mm -hmm. and that's not human or normal <laughs> we right. have to we have to be able to like take some time off like you don't have to be like completely like you said you don't have to be just like sleeping all day every mm -hmm. day not yeah. doing anything to your life not contributing in any way that's a different problem altogether mm -hmm. but um you know in terms of there has you're right there has to be that balance of like yes i need to be productive and do things but also i need to take time for myself and take care of myself mm -hmm. feel my feelings so yeah. and neither of those like are, are a sign of weakness Right, right. And I feel like whenever we, you know, personally, you can see this on personal scale with individuals all the time. It's like they're suppressing, um, you know, their own wellness for long periods of time and then they just blow up, they erupt. And I think you can see it on societal scale as well. Like you just see all these problems just skyrocketing in society and all these things is just like, oh my God, why is everything going crazy? It's like, well, it actually didn't start last night, like when you thought when people started breaking windows and rioting and whatnot, it actually started a long time ago. And we've been seeing the signs and everything, but just nobody wanted to do nothing about it. So that's why we're here today. Mm -hmm. People reached a breaking point. Yep. 
And, right. you know, it's it's not even the first time that cry that that the rioting that we saw in the street. I mean, there's a lot of nuance there, too. But um, a lot of what we saw was, you know, a generation that's had enough, like people that have had enough with oppression. <laughs> and uh, yeah. this yeah. is not the first time they've said that we've had enough. They've said it for decades and we just have not listened or didn't want mm -hmm. to listen. So, yeah. and, you know, we can frame it however we want, but, you know, doesn't matter how strong or how successful or how well put together someone seems, we're all people and people, we're all, we all have our vulnerabilities. We all have our weaknesses and, you know, there's only so much that we can take. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah I'll help us all. I'll help us mm -hmm. all. I mean, so, you know, uh, you were mentioning earlier that you were facing some like uh, anxiety and whatnot and you know uh, people in your community and whatnot in your circle were telling you that it was a result of you know you're not doing enough religiously and whatnot so they were trying to give you that uh, purely religious solution um, but first I kind of want to ask you like how you got through it and then I kind of want to ask you like how would you advise someone today you know uh, who's going through the exact same thing, like what kind of advice would you give them today? Um, in terms of how I got through it, uh, I think there's, you're always going through it. Mm. Um, I think anxiety, uh, depression, any type of like mental health is a constant. So mm. you're not going to be, it's like, if you think about your physical health, you're not always going to be completely healthy. You're going to have mm. times where you're like, I had a cold once when I was six, but you're going to get the cold again a few years later. You're going to get right. it again a few years later. Mm. Um, so the same with anxiety or any other bout of mental illness, um, you are going to experience it at some point and you're going to have to find a way to cope. And then you're going to experience it again later in a different way. And you're going to have to learn how to recope again. Um, mm -hmm. What has helped is, um, you know, religion and spirituality are important, but they're not the only answer. So definitely mm -hmm. uh, having a therapist at the time was very helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, being able to kind of talk to somebody objectively who was not involved in anything, had no emotional tie to anything that was going on and just be able to say, Hey, here's what's been going. Here's what's happening to me. I don't know what to do about it. And they can kind of just help you sort through the mess and like mm. through it, identify patterns, identify ways in which you react to specific situations, finding ways in which you can cope and also mm. finding ways in which you can break your patterns and cycles that have been maladaptive. Mm. Um, so therapy was definitely a help um, allowing myself to take breaks and being okay with that. Uh, I think a lot of self-compassion is necessary for, for periods of, for, you know, always, but especially mm -hmm. when you're really struggling with your mental illness, just giving yourself a break and being able to say, Hey, I'm human. <laughs> I'm not going to be perfect hundred percent of the time, or yeah. uh, I'm going to take a break today. And I'm not going to think about the things that I need to do. And I'm just going to take today to myself. I'm either going to clean or I'm going to watch TV or I'm going to read a book or I'm going to take a shower or I'm going to sleep, whatever it is you need to do. Um, and then uh, the other part of it too, is having a good support system. So whether that's mm -hmm. family, a really good friend, a partner, um, a pet, uh, anyone that can, pets are great, man. <laughs> um, I got a bearded dragon. I respect Yeah. It. There you go. Yeah. Like a bearded mm -hmm. dragon, a dog, a cat, a, mm -hmm. a bird, whatever it is, like they, mm -hmm. they provide support. Um, and we're like a member of the family. So yeah, just having that support system, that really tight knit people that, um, that you can talk to, or even just go to when you're really struggling, whether it's mm -hmm. for distracting yourself or for just actually talking about your stuff mm -hmm. uh, that's always essential as well so mm. it's kind of what how i went through it and i would mm -hmm. recommend the same for anybody to you know self-compassion if you have the capability um if you're able to afford it and you have access go seek out a therapist mm -hmm. um, and also try and invest some time in taking care of yourself mm. physically and emotionally yeah. help your break yeah that's you know that's that's extremely I feel like that is something that's kind of a little slept on, especially these days, because like, let's say, you know, people just working out and, you know, trying to take care of their health and people will be like, trying to, you know, shame them for that. And be like, why are you shaming me for trying to take care of my health? This is, are you going to, are you going to suffer the illnesses in the future for me? Mm -hmm. Are you going to take me to the hospital when I can't walk? And it's like, why are you shaming me for taking care of my health, bro? Are mm -hmm. your arteries clogging? It's like, why? But yeah. You know, so many things like that. And then, you know, just self-compassion. Self-compassion, it seems so simple. But, you know, when you have people who have, like, had, let's say, difficult childhoods or they've had some sort of trauma or whatever like that, and then 
you know, that 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 notion of self-compassion can be seem almost impossible to them because be like, how, how could I ever love myself? How could I ever feel anything positive about myself? Because I've never, you know, I I just I didn't know that was possible. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. sad, but yeah. And the way I look at that too is, you know, it is hard to be compassionate towards yourself because mm-hmm. you know yourself better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. In every context. So you're able to make more excuses for yourself as to why you are not where you want to be. But if the the way I mean, I look at it is if you were to talk to a friend going through the exact same situation, you Mm. would get a lot more support and understanding and show them a lot more empathy. But for Mm. some reason, when it comes to ourselves, we're not able to do the same thing. Yeah. So it's like, you know, um, a chef like cooking these like, Mm-hmm. fine dining michelin star meals and giving them to everyone else and never eating a good meal in his life because he's not tasting his own food mm. um, yeah. my supervisor said that to me changed my world <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's uh it's it's you know talk to yourself treat yourself the way you would treat a really good friend or someone you really really care about mm. um, that's the key to self-compassion it, it takes practice it's hard it's not easy yeah that's facts that's facts and you know that was actually a really beautiful really beautiful example prophecy supervisor but um you know me personally like this is something i feel like something we all struggle with at some point in our lives and my struggle um you know i struggled a lot with it and it got a lot easier once i figured out how i could love myself or feel better about myself and i realized that one thing that was really, really bothering me was when I looked inside the mirror, I hated what looked back at me. Like there was a lot of stuff on the inside, but also the physical appearance, I hated it. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I realized like, okay, well, maybe it's time to do something a little bit different, you know, started taking my health more seriously. And even something as simple as growing out my hair. I can't tell you how much how much stuff I got from my parents and other people in the community who I started to grow out my hair, especially because I'm black and be like, oh, now you look like a thug. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, okay, yeah, sure. This is this is how we this is how thugs look. But anywho, um, you know, just something simple as growing out my hair. It made me feel so much better about myself. I was able to look in the mirror and be like, huh, I don't hate that dude. That's mm-hmm. crazy. But just those simple things, those simple things that we don't think about is just they can help so much. Right. I I agree with you. Like, I mean, I remember even during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. I was, you know, it was hard for everybody. But like when it was, I noticed that I never wear makeup in general, Mm -hmm. unless it's like a special occasion or something. But um, during the pandemic, I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't seeing anyone. I did a full face of makeup every day because I was like, I look great today. (laughs) This this is this is how I take care of myself because I'm when I look good and I like Mm -hmm. what I'm I'm investing in myself. I'm investing in my appearance. Mm -hmm. doing something that aesthetically matches my style, my identity. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it, it, it night and day. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy when you think about it, it's just like those, just those little, little, little things that seem so simple and how much of a huge, humongous difference I can make. And it just mm-hmm. reminds us like, yeah, this is, this is how humans are. Mm-hmm. Where these simple, fragile little creatures and one change can be, boop, as you said, night and day. Night and day. I mean, taking a shower, night and day. <laughs> Feels so oh, def- different. Definitely night and day. Definitely yeah, like day. exercising, night and day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. indeed. Yes, indeed. And, you know, you mentioned a little about this, uh, about how, like, psychology and mental health is kind of frowned upon in religious environments. And uh, I just wanted to know, is this something that you've noticed specifically for Muslims, or did you notice this as well in other religious groups? I know this is it in other religious groups. Um mm. It's so funny to me. And I mean, I, I've, I've learned this through a lot of things, but uh, colonialism really did throw us in for a loop. Um, if you look at the mental health field right now and some of the uh, interventions that they would use with people who are struggling, mm-hmm. they'll say things like, you know, have you considered meditation? Have you considered mm. yoga? Have you considered using mantras and affirmation? Mm. Um and then, like, you go to religious folks and they'll say, like, you know, if you just pray more, you're fine. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, you don't, we don't need to talk about your mental health. Just pray more and, like, God will take care of it. I've noticed it with Muslims. I've noticed it with Christians, people who are Jewish. Um, 
noticed it with like uh even like just plethora plethora mm-hmm. of, of, of uh, communities. Uh, and it's so funny because like a lot of these interventions that we're using in the mental health field stem from communities of color and from spiritual mm-hmm. Like yoga was a religious practice, meditation yeah. is a religious practice, uh, mantras are a religious practice, but mm-hmm. we don't call it religion. We call it psychological interventions. Um, and then like most, like, you know, Muslims, for example, are the ones that I use because I am Muslim. So it's easier for me to me too for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're both Muslims. Um, alaikum. Anyway, <laughs> um, so like it's easier for, for religious folks to reach for like just pray more, but then they like leave out the mental health component of the Mm -hmm. spiritual practice so Mm -hmm. both communities are diluting the substance and the essence and like the 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 benefits of these practices because they're not looking at it holistically like people in religious communities can especially if they stigmatize mental health can um uh can like really lose the substance of like prayer if they're not incorporating this the mental psychological benefits of it Mm -hmm. and logical practices and interventions they're really missing the, the like the full benefit of the yoga or the mantras if they're not incorporating the spiritual component of it so yeah. both yeah. sides have their their stigmas but yeah and this is sad that you know it's sad that you see that disparity between the you know the religious scene and the psychological scene because really they they're i don't i don't think there's any reason that they should clash i think there's there's every reason for them to go together. They coexist. Yeah. Socially. <laughs> and, you know, they, they kind of like, they can like feed into each other and everything when you're looking at it properly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, even with Muslims, it's like, you know, we'll say these things and be like, okay, someone will go for advice. Like, I know someone recently who was having trouble, having trouble, you know, with his marriage and whatnot. And he got some advice from a sheikh. And then, you know, the sheikh gave him advice. And... The sheikh didn't try to understand his situation and he just gave some like quick brief advice and dude was dude got the advice and it's not even like the dude was like he wasn't religious and he didn't care he didn't have any connection with the deen at all or with the religion at all he did but just that advice and the fact that the sheikh didn't try to understand him and get an understanding of where he was coming from and how he was feeling he completely and totally nullified everything the sheikh said it just resulted in fury and anger building up and you know if if you know subhanallah if allah didn't calm that dude down and direct him to someone else he felt like he was ready for a divorce right then and there right he was going to ask for help and the help he got was just so it's in 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 essence it was like disrespectful you're like this is my pain i'm telling you about my pain and then you're just going to completely, totally disregard it. And it's like, yeah, yeah okay. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, the second person he was directed to took the time to ask questions, understand what was going on. And then after that, after going back and forth and taking the time to understand and not just completely and totally belittling him, he gave him similar advice to what the sheikh said. But the reception, the reception was so much better because of that. Because mm-hmm. he didn't just be like, okay, I'm just going to give you the religious solution, 30 seconds, all right, bada bing, bada boom, done. Mm-hmm. Because he took the time to realize this is a person. This is a person in pain. Let me talk to him. Let me listen to him. Let me figure out what's going on. And mm-hmm. this person in pain is also Muslim. Okay, let me give you the religious solution. Let me remind you like how we should do things for the sake of Allah, for the sake of God. right? How our prophet, peace be upon him, instructs us to do things. And right. that instruction was beautiful. And it helped that dude so much. And things just got better, like almost instantly after mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I, because that that story is so important too. Because it's that example is perfect because we need more, you know, mental health or mm. like psychological, emotional intelligence in our shayukh and in our communities. Mm-hmm. Like, and I notice it's not just even about mental health; about so many other things: racism, sexism, classism, ageism. You can get an imam up there any Friday of the week and tell and, and they'll uh, they'll sit there and be like, yes, racism is haram in our culture. We do not allow this. Islam does not support any system of oppression. But then they don't talk about how we're mm. oppressing people. We don't talk about how we're marginalizing people within our own communities. Mm-hmm. We don't give examples about how we can check ourselves. They do the same thing with mental health. It's like, 
oh, you're going through this. I'm not going to talk to you about it. Here's the solution. They're not taking the time to actually understand people's emotional experiences mm. and the impact it's having, you mm. know, on their, on their lives. And sometimes some, all like your friend, it sounded like all he needed was just someone to listen to him. Yeah. Like then he would have been ready to receive any advice or information, but he wasn't in a place to receive anything because he just wanted to be heard. Exactly. He didn't have that space. Yeah. And guys can need to be heard too. Yeah, man. <laughs> we we definitely get. We're always up in our feelings. It's we're always up in our feelings, but it's just when we have that opportunity to be heard. It, sometimes it can just spark such a deep emotional reaction. It's like be like, oh my god, someone is listening to me, listening to how I feel. You might just find dudes just breaking down in tears. They didn't even get the solution yet. They're just breaking down in tears. Be like, oh wow. I'm allowed to feel bad. I'm yeah. allowed to express myself. Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. Mm. Yeah, I, I think of a lot of ways the society that we live in um, hurts men, mm. uh, not necessarily to the same degree that it hurts women, um, but it does definitely hurt men also because men need to, men are up in their fields, but they're not talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> society is more brazen with how they hurt women. Yeah. They're way more astuffitalized, terrible, but they're way more brazen about it. In the sense, it's like, yeah, there's there's the sexism in our society is real. The patriarchy is real. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, like it's hurting men also. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't want to say that it's in a race in ratio of like how it's hurting women, you know, sexual assault, uh, the, the, the mm -hmm. lovely, the lovely pay gap, um, <laughs> the um, the the various like ways and, you know, women in the health field, I can go through a whole mm -hmm. other talk on women and their rights and how they're not met in this country um, or in the world. But with men specifically, we're talking about, you know, they also are not given an opportunity to, to express their emotions. They're also uh, anytime they, they want to reach for help, they're told to man up. Um, there's, there's just, there's a lot of pressure on men. Mm -hmm. And I think it's not given, uh, they're not given the, the space that they need to really, the men's need, the men's need support. <laughs> we need support. Support the men's. <laughs> support the men's. Yes. Support the men. That's going to be the new hashtag, inshallah. Uh, support support the, men. the men's. Yes, inshallah. Hashtag also support women. So <laughs> Definitely. Please. Definitely. Let's support everybody. How about that? Support everyone, please. Yes. <laughs> Just cancel all systems of oppression. So. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? I'd love it. But unfortunately, we're still human. So, you know, it's going to come back with some back. ridiculous fervor. It's going to be like, oh, you got rid of this? Well, let's introduce this new problem that's 10 times worse. Like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm ready for the day of judgment to start. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be here no more. But mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, our world, we create so many problems for ourselves in this world. And then we act like we didn't create the problems and just causes even more and whatnot. And then this whole, like, we don't want to have accountability and things like that. It's a ridiculous no. cycle. No, and change does not come until you're at the end of your comfort zone. So you need to be uncomfortable yeah. and check yourself before you can actually get anywhere productive. So Oh, uh, you ruined it. I thought you were gonna say before you wreck yourself. Yeah, no, no, no. check yourself. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, okay. Undo that. And you know, I wanted to ask you another thing I wanted to ask you is that you know, we mentioned, you know, all the reasons why or some reasons why religion and, you know, psychology and whatnot should go together. But, you know, from your research and from what you've experienced yourself, do you think there are any reasons why people have this in their mind that they cannot blend together? Um, I have a few ideas. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if much of it is more research-based than it is really my experiences, just mm -hmm. practicing in the field and also being a Muslim, just existing mm -hmm. in the world. Um, but... Uh, I think there's, uh, so, so something that we don't talk about in religious communities is spiritual abuse. Mm. Um, and so we see a lot of people who have either left their religion or have, you know, distanced themselves from their own communities, even if they still identify with their spiritual or religious practice, mm. uh, because of spiritual abuse. And so because we're focusing more on spiritual abuse, we tend to discredit religion altogether. So there's become this wave of, you know, religion is not uh a source of uh, it's not a positive source mm -hmm. for people 
Um, so there is this wave, and I've had so many arguments and conversations with people about how religion is not the source of all evil. Humans mm. are the source of all evil. <laughs> um, so, you know, the religion that's perfect, human beings are not. Uh, so if the religion is saying, be the best person you can be and treat others with respect, treat the earth with respect, treat yourself with respect, if people are using the teachings of the religion and using it, uh, manipulating it, and, you know, in a way to suppress other people, they're the ones that should be held accountable, not the religion. But that's one thing that I'm noticing a lot in the field um, because we see so many instances of spiritual abuse. We see it a lot with folks who are LGBTQ. If, you know, a lot of the telltale stereo, like story that's just like cookie cutter cliche that you hear. Um, and I'm not saying that in any way to diminish that struggle, but to kind of just outline that this is the common story that's always given. I identify as queer. My family didn't respect, uh, didn't accept me because of religious beliefs. And so I was ostracized or kicked out of the house, or I had to go find my own way. I still don't talk to my family. Um, so if you hear stories like that, it's like, okay, the family did not react in a way that was beneficial for this person's mental well-being. Mm -hmm. We can talk about the religious component about the identity. We can talk about um, the religious component in terms of practicing or living your life a certain way. That's a different situation. But people are more focused on, well, the religion itself is what's oppressive. And it's like, no, the family kicked him out. The family mm -hmm. was the one that treat, mistreated this person mm -hmm. simply because of their identity. And they wanted to talk to you about it. That's the problem. That is the pathology, not the religion. Um, so I think that's where some of the the stem, uh, the, that's where the issues tend to come from. So like uh, we kind of focus more on like religion being, it's easier to kind of put the blame on religion than it is to put the blame on individuals for their own homophobia. Um, and that's kind of like something that I've noticed as well. It's just we're, we're really focused more on the negative aspects of religion than the positive. Uh, the other aspect of it is, unfortunately, there are areas in the mental health field and in psychology that we don't talk about in religion. So gender identity, sexual identity, mm. um, you know, uh, sex therapy is another thing, like people who are, you know, struggling with their sex life and needing to go see a therapist. Mm. Uh, we don't talk about those things because the conversations are so taboo in our mm. communities that it's like the second you bring it up, we don't want to associate with you. Uh, if something is against the religion, quote unquote, or if something is, um, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? If it's either against the religion borderline? or if it's something oh. that is borderline, like mm. questionable that mm. we just don't know, we don't know where we stand on it. We decide it's easier to just ignore it than to actually address it within our communities. So Muslims struggling with addiction. If you know, drugs and alcohol are not allowed in Islam and a person obviously has an addiction. Are we going to sit here and really shame this person for taking the drug? Or are we going to actually try and support the person <laughs> and get them through it? Um, so we we do, I think it, it's both ends. It's like psychology will demonize religion. And then mm. you have religious uh, circles that will demonize people for falling off the path or for sinning differently than they do or for having mm. their own struggles and their own journey. Mm. Um, so that's where I see that it being a, a, a disconnect. Mm -hmm. I don't first, I don't think that it has to be there, but I think the way it's not like saying that religion or psychology are equally are either, either of them are bad, but just that there's, they're not negatives. It's just that the way they're handling the situation is not helpful to the individual who's suffering. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. No, no, that makes sense. And especially, you know, your, the point that you just made, uh, because we have too much in our society and whatnot where we have where we refuse to separate the sin from the sinner mm -hmm. and we should have hate for the sin i'm not gonna say like oh yeah we should love this sin no 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 i'm not gonna say that but like we should have hate for the sin but we should have love for the sinner mm -hmm. and it's like people be like how could you separate the two this man is committing the sin it's like yeah okay but he's still a man he's still a human being he made a mistake how many mistakes did you make today you don't even know how many mm -hmm. mistakes are you gonna make later you don't even know also, if you were in their position, would you mm -hmm. react any differently? Because you don't know. There's a reason why God did not put you in that circumstance. That's that's amazing and also super humbling at the same time because it's like because it, it kind of shows that be like this person, even though he's struggling, is stronger than you mm -hmm. because God didn't give it to you. He gave it to him. It's like, whoa, God does not burden a soul with more than it can bear. If he didn't put you through that circumstance or that situation, 
it's because he knows you would not have been able to handle it. If you put the other person in that situation, it's because then he knows they can come out of it and come out of it stronger. Dang, that's too much truth. I, don't, I think that's too much truth for him. I don't know if they're being going to be able to handle it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> change happens at the end of your comfort zone. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. You know, next thing I want to ask you, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I wanted to, you know, ask you again. Um, so, you know, as a Muslim, how do you find the balance between psychological solutions and, you know, religious solutions when dealing with problems or giving advice or analyzing situations? Like, how would you, how would you find the balance? Are you talking about with myself or with a client? Oh, uh, let's say you have a, let's say you have a Muslim client. So my first thing when I have a, a client who is religious um, mm -hmm. or who identifies with a specific religion, I ask them about their religiosity levels mm. and not a way to judge them or to, uh, you know, ridicule or reprimand them in any way. It's more so I just need to know where you're at because my job is not to convince you one way or another. My job is to help you get through whatever it is you're going through in your current context. I'm not here to push you to be more or less religious. I'm here. My job is what are we struggling with and how do we get through it together? Um, so it, I assess religiosity. So if you tell me that you're committing X, Y, and Z sins and not committing X, Y, and Z, I'm going to ask you, do, do you want to continue committing these sins? Mm. And if it's like, yeah, I don't mind, like, I'm fine with this. Okay, cool. Then I'm not going to touch this. We're going to continue moving forward. If you mm -hmm. are like, I do these things, but I'm not happy about doing these things. And I kind of want to work on my spiritual, then we're going to talk about spirituality and that's where the focus is going to be. So mm -hmm. I tailor the way I work with a client based on what the client is asking for, not based on what I think is, you know, mm -hmm. my own bias, my own belief systems, my own values. It's about the client. It's the client's space. It's the client's time and it's the mm -hmm. client's money. So <laughs> You know, if they're paying, they're going to be paid to work with what they want to do, like mm -hmm. work within their own context, not being forced in one way or another by somebody else's values. I see. Okay. Gotcha. Good to know. Good to know. And then, you know, especially, you know, if you're working in, you work at the clinical psychologist training in Chicago, professional psychology. Okay. Uh, so that's where I went to school. That's where I went to school, ah. um, my classes and stuff. I'm currently in Washington state and I'm working at oh. a university here in the college counseling department. So I am, uh, I'm doing basically student counseling. So oh, okay. couples, group work, um, outreach, things like that. Oh, uh, you got the whole shebang, huh? Yeah, alhamdulillah. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's interesting. Fire. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you, you definitely learn a lot doing that though. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, yeah. great experience. experience. Okay, okay. That's pretty cool. And, you know, next thing is, when, when it comes to like the different patterns that we have, like one example would be, you know, you have a dad telling their son, don't cry. Or if you have a mom telling her daughter, you have to be nice. You have to be polite, like all the time, right? Mm -hmm. You know, people are going to treat you a certain way, whatever, whatever. You have to be polite, right? So we see these different problems. I mean, different, um, we see these different patterns and we develop them as humans. So do you feel like the older generations may kind of sleep on mental health issues because of their own past traumas that they never dealt with? I think the older generations do, if their intentions are correct, they're doing the mm. best they can with what they know. Mm. Um, so I do think absolutely past trauma. So past trauma, it can be passed down socially and mm. genetically. Um, if your body is under a significant amount of stress because of your context, it's going to pass on to your kids. Mm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, That's so trauma, yeah, which is why yeah. mental health is very important because you need to address your own traumas because if you don't, it's going to impact future generations. We're seeing this with the Black community. We're seeing this with the Native American community. Communities mm -hmm. right now, we're seeing that with the Palestinian community. We've seen mm -hmm. it. Um, like your parents have undergone genocide, mm -hmm. trauma, mass incarceration, whatever it may be. And the kids are being born or, or who are born are coming in with the same level of like health concerns, fears apprehensions it's 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 going to get starting to get hardwired in dna to the point um and ancestral trauma is a reality uh so i do think that what we're seeing is the result of our, our parents and our grandparents did what they needed to do to survive um so if i'm talking about immigrant communities we did what we needed to do to survive you are going to bow your head you're going to be polite you are going mm -hmm. to do whatever it needs to be done in order to make sure the white man is happy um whether it's at work whether it's at school, you're going to be well-behaved. You're not just going to be a good student. You're going to be the best student mm -hmm. because you're already someone, you're a person of color, or I'm speaking specifically about minority communities, marginalized mm -hmm. communities. That's the community I come from. Gotcha. 
So it's like, you're going to do what you need to do to be the best at what you can be, because it's not enough that you are an A student, you need to be a 4.3 or 4.0. It's not enough that you're an athlete, you need to be the best athlete, mm -hmm. because you want them to live and thrive in this society that wasn't built to support them or to really uh, value them. So you need to prove yourself to be better than all the other folks around you. And this is the, 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 the pressure that we're put under, our generation has been put under, and we're starting to recognize it more and more, and we're starting to call it out more and more, mm -hmm. um, and we're starting to address it more and more. Uh, and the other generation is just like, well, what are you doing? You don't, <laughs> don't do anything, just like, mm -hmm. <laughs> let's get through this. We want to survive. It's like, no, we're surviving, but we want to thrive. You know, right. we yeah. in a different, um, we have a different goal in mind. Like we're here, you made it, you did what you needed to do. We got here and we're grateful, mm -hmm. but we also want to live here with dignity. So, <laughs> um, right. yeah, so. yeah there, there's a lot when it comes to that. And, you know, even when you were saying it's like, you know, how, you know, your parents or the previous generations did what they had to do to survive. And, you know, that's, those are kind of the values that they try to instill every now and then, or that they've been trying to instill in their children and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I grew up, you know, I didn't grow up in the worst neighborhood ever, uh, you know, mm -hmm. alhamdulillah, but, you know, there was always something that my parents would tell me. And it was, you know, I always have to be careful with how I act, right? And, you know, when I was young, I didn't really understand it. But then, you know, I started getting a little bit older, I hit my teens. And then I see the kind of stuff like my friends were doing when they hang out with like their social gatherings, my parents wouldn't allow me to go. Right. And at the time, I was like, really frustrated and upset about that. But then I see like the stuff they're doing on like Instagram or Snapchat or whatever. And I'm just like, huh, that was actually pretty crazy. I'm kind of glad I didn't go. But I didn't really start to appreciate that until I got a little bit older. And then I realized, it's like, if I was in that situation, if it was me doing that, I would get in so much more trouble. I might get arrested. I might get killed because of the fact that I am black. Mm -hmm. right? You know, other people who can pass as other races, like, you know, even if you're Pakistani or if you're Arab, but you look white, you can pass as white, right? Mm -hmm. So if I were to act around, like, you know, one instance, they were like shooting fireworks at each other. And some other instances, they were, you know, public disturbances, just going around and yelling at people at restaurants and stuff like that. And be like, well, if I did something like that, they most definitely call the cops on me. And then, you know, just, we've seen so many different stories of how bad it can go when stuff like that happens. Yeah. And, you know, you don't need to be that person that it happens to in order to understand that, okay, I have to act in a different way because of my situation uh, mm -hmm. and that's something that a lot of kids fight and a lot of kids don't understand and even I'm an older brother so even like you know with my sister you know I've learned these values from my parents it took a while for me to accept them but I learned those values and you know mm -hmm. trying to teach them to my sister as well and one time I you know tried to give it to her in the most simple way to understand I was like you are a target I'm sorry I didn't make you a target. I don't want you to be a target. I'll do everything in my power to protect you. But the fact that you are a Muslim woman, the fact that you wear hijab, the fact that you are a black woman, you're black and Muslim woman, right? In America, you are a target. Mm -hmm. People will be gunning for you. So mm -hmm. you have to make sure that you are doing your utmost to keep yourself out of potentially dangerous situations. Your behavior is on point. And yeah, it's a lot of pressure. And nobody wants that pressure when they're a little kid or whatever. When they're growing up, they just want to have fun. But mm -hmm. when it comes to, okay, well, maybe I can just forget about these things. You also risking your life or mm -hmm. you just keep those things in mind and you be careful. And then you kind of avert those risks and dangers. It might not be convenient, but I feel like it's worth it. It is. And like, the thing is like, even if you weren't put like the, the, there's a target on, on your, like on our backs, like, especially for, for black folks, mm -hmm. like, um, Tamir Rice was just playing in the park. Sandra Bland failed to signal. She was just pulled over. She didn't do anything and mm -hmm. she was killed. So even if you are an upstanding, you are an upstanding citizen and you're not causing any type of mm -hmm. commotion, just by existing, you are already yeah. a target. You are already somebody yeah. that the system has decided does not belong. So mm -hmm. Um, there is like added pressure in a way. And like, I mean, I think about it for my parents, like, yeah, I'm light skin. I'm very fair skin. Mm. Um, my brothers, there's like, I'm the light skin person in my family. Everybody mm. else is pretty like, you know, they're all of tone or darker. Mm -hmm. 
And so like they they walk around and like we worry because like my brother's got the fro. I have another brother who's got mm-hmm. the drugs. And you know, we're sitting here like when they mm-hmm. drive, like our biggest fear is what if they get pulled over? What's gonna happen? Mm-hmm. Um it's it, it's so, you know, especially because some of us are immigrant from like immigrant families. Mm-hmm you know that this target exists and you're also in a different country. You don't know the laws as well as, you know, you'd want to, you don't get the culture as well as you'd like to social media and the internet is coming up. That's new Mm -hmm. for everybody. Everybody is navigating how to parent with social media. Mm -hmm. It's like how, and we're not talking about mental health. We're not talking, we didn't call it racism at like, you know, 10 years ago, we weren't calling it racism. We just knew like, Oh, we just we we just don't fit in. We're not going to be looked at. We're going to be a target. We need to. Be, we didn't call it what it was. We didn't use the buzzwords. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure, like I'm for sure, the black community used racism. They said it. They just called it for what it was. But yeah. out of we did not call it. We didn't want to call it that because we wanted mm-hmm. to see the good in the white people. Um, so um, we we you know we were all like trying to be Europe- as European looking as possible. That mm. was, that was uh, we got a very colonized mindset. We need to work on it. But anyway, <laughs> um, but like we weren't, we weren't using the words that needed to be used to call it what it is. And we just didn't know how to navigate. So I have no idea how our parents did it. I was very frustrated with how they're handling things, but mm. I, I understand why they did things the way they did. Right. It is scary to try and figure out. My mom thankfully was raised here. So she had some more of an understanding, but like there were times where she was like, I don't know, social media, I don't want you on it at all. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got a Facebook, but okay. <laughs> <We'll stop there. laughs> uh, uh, the path with least resistance. Sometimes yeah, exactly. that's the best path to travel. Yeah. But yeah, and you know, you know, when it comes to our moms, our parents, and you know, the other, the previous generations, and you know, all the things they went through and the the adaptations they had to make. Do you think it's too late to kind of treat their trauma? No, if they want it to be treated. Mm. I don't believe you can help someone who does not want to be helped. So you could talk about that for like 10 hours. And it be yeah. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think absolutely. I, I've seen um, I was very, very uh, happy to see like even in my own uh, work, I have seen people in their 50s, 60s, mm. 40s. Um, who are more open to talking about mental health and well-being. And mm. even within the last seven years, I've noticed a shift um, in terms of how we talk about mental health. 10 years ago, if you took me to a masjid and anyone asked about mental well-being, I would have been shocked. No one no one ever talked about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it is shifting. Um, and I think it's going to take time. Unfortunately, a lot, I know like within the Arab community, a lot of people think it's like a form of betrayal to talk about your problems because it's going to implicate other people. Oh, yeah. And Uh so that becomes a barrier. Uh, There's the fear of being discriminated against. That's another barrier. Mm -hmm. Um, There's like access and being able to afford it. That's another barrier. But it's, it's, it's starting to I think it's going to change and I think it's going to change for the better. I think our generation is going to probably work on it a lot more. We are talking about it and taking Mm -hmm. it more seriously. Um, So 10, 15 years time, we're going to see such a shift, Mm -hmm. but I definitely think if people want to get the help, they Mm -hmm. will get the help. It's not, it's never too late to be like, I need to address what happened to me (laughs) and why I'm doing this and taking it. I have these problems and why am I taking it out on my kids or my partner or my family or my friends Mm. or my, I don't know. (laughs) Don't take it out on your pet. (laughs) (laughs) The others have more resilience. They can handle it. (laughs) but Not your pets. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. But yeah. 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 Um, you know, Allah help us all and make these these conversations easy for us and you know all these difficulties that we've been through and you know whatever difficulties are in store for us you know Allah make them all easy for us and uh Allah give us victory with all of them I mean I mean yeah if, I mean look if the prophet priest be upon him can talk about can mm-hmm. talk about his mental well-being and his mm-hmm. emotions and I think our parents can utilize that example so yeah but then some you know it's like those stories are like the ones that sometimes they are mentioned but when they are mentioned they 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 shift the emphasis to something else 
Mm-hmm. They shift the emphasis to something else. Like when the Prophet, you know, peace be upon him, came down from the mountain, he was like crying to his wife Khadija. He was just crying to her and be like, oh, he was just freaking out and just like, you know, you know, talking to her and be like, hey, yo, help me out, help me out. Was like, cover me up, cover me up, wrap me up. And he's confiding in his wife. And then it's like things like that. It's like you hear that story and it's just like, yeah. That's yeah. trauma. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's trauma. But like, you know, people will say, will give you that story and be like, yeah. So this is how it happened. Uh huh. And then Khadija went to a man to get help. <laughs> Khadija went to Waraka. <laughs> Therapy. <laughs> Therapy. That is the goal. <laughs> and then it's, I mean, oh, it's just like, we go like, oh yeah, there was a year of sadness. And then the prophet went to Thoughts. And I'm like, okay, but. You skipped over the. Sadness. <laughs> exactly. Let's talk about the fact that he called it sadness. It wasn't the year of tragedy or the year of calamities or the year of the boycott. It was the year mm-hmm. of sadness. Yep. <laughs> Emotions. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we got we got a whole we got a whole bucket full of problems that we need to address. But yeah, you know, <laughs> as you said, as long as we're willing to address them and to fix these things and to get help, then you know, inshallah, we'll be able to get it. Yeah, inshallah. Any closing remarks? If you need to see a therapist, please go see one. I think that's just uh, your mental health. You know, it takes a lot of strength to be vulnerable. So mm, mm. Yeah. It definitely does. It most definitely does. Mm-hmm. If not for you, if you can't show up for other people, you can't show. If you can't show up for yourself, you can't show. Up for yourself, basically, coming from a communal standpoint, you can't pour from an empty vessel. That's so. facts. That is facts. But you know, really appreciate you, Sister Amira. Really appreciate all your insights and you know, just sharing your advice and how you view these things and what you've learned from your studies. Uh, really appreciate that. And, um, you know, we pray for your success and your continual, you know, education and experience and all the good stuff, all the good stuff that you're trying to get out of psychology. And, you know, may Allah SWT fill it with barakah and just make you able to help so many people and to expand your reach and expand your influence. And may he make you able to just bring goodness to the entire world. I mean, I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. And no may Allah continue to bless you in your work with this podcast, with all the other work that you've been doing. I mean, I mean, appreciate you. Appreciate you. All right. And with that, we appreciate y'all for tuning in. And we'll catch y'all next time on the Next Generation Podcast. God willing, inshallah. Uh, Allah. Peace out, everybody.